Hello, everybody. This is Scott Yates, Director of Communications and Producer Relations for the Washington Grain Commission, here with Episode 208 of Weed All About It, or what I'm calling, at the WSCIA, the devil is in the details, about a conversation I had with Lauren Port, manager of the organization, about the regulatory requirements mandated by state and federal seed laws. Most farmers probably know about the Washington State Crop Improvement Association's responsibility to inspect crops in the field as part of the foundation and certified seed process that not only ensures high quality, but ultimately adds bushels to farmers' bottom lines. But just as farmers deal with regulatory burdens, so does the WSCIA. And how? The organization, which is overseen by a 17-member board of directors, must follow strict federal and state regulations with regard to seed production and sales. It's that aspect that Port talks about ahead, particularly a regulation that requires seed dealers to provide farmers labels outlining specific information on every lot of seed they sell. I've known two long-term managers of the Washington State Crop Improvement Association over the years, Keith Pfeiffer and Jerry Robinson. Port, who has been in the position for the last two years, inherited a well-run operation, but as the title of this episode alludes, one where it is necessary to remind the WSCIA's partners of the details that must be followed. This is not the first time I've spoken with Port for a podcast. You can find our conversation about her upbringing, education, and the challenges of women breaking barriers in episode 165 entitled, Setting Standards, Breaking Barriers at Today's WSCIA. There, too, you can learn more about the foundation and certified seed components of the WSCIA, which aren't addressed here. Go to the Washington Grain Commission website at wagrains.org for all previous episodes. Ahead, Port talks about the numerous farmers and seed dealers WSCIA staff works with while staring down the barrel of an array of state and federal regulations that are an essential part of the region's seed industry. Seed labels, even when lots of seed are not in bags but in backs of trucks, are protection for farmers who otherwise would have no legal recourse if seed germination does not meet expectations. Of course, I'm most interested in wheat because I'm a weedy, but WSCIA is responsible for certifying a number of other seed crops. That said, I began my recent conversation with Port by asking her how much of the WSCIA's efforts go toward ensuring the wheat industry has the highest quality seed. When you take into consideration spring and winter wheat, that accounts for 80 to 90% of the seed certification that we do. Okay, so that's a pretty big piece. How many farmers grow wheat for seed? When I look at our 2020 numbers, we had about 175 growers that were producing certified eligible wheat seed this year. They typically do this under contract for specific seed dealers, and, and very few farmers are actually growing the seed, then conditioning it, and finally selling it. Okay, okay. Now, after the seed is grown, it goes to the seed conditioner. Those are the operations that clean the seed, right? 
After a field passes inspection to produce certified seed, that certified eligible seed must be cleaned at an approved conditioning plant. And then that seed uh, is sampled and a test is submitted to WSDA seed program. They do the testing. We at Washington Crop Improvement review the seed test results and deem it finally certified. But in order to be an approved conditioner, those cleaning plants, the manager of the facility has to complete an application and a questionnaire, and then that facility is inspected by either Washington State Department of Agriculture or Washington State Crop Improvement, uh, where we ensure that the purity of seed lots can be maintained as they're handled. Um, to give you some examples of conditioners, think of companies like Tri-State Seed, Northwest Grain Growers, and Highline Grain Growers. Companies like that, they condition seed. They might also have retail outlets where they're selling seed from, um, not necessarily conditioning on site. Okay, okay. These are basically seed dealers. Now, I take it that they're contracting for seed from farmers. Do any companies that you mentioned, for instance, grow their own seed? Yes, conditioners are basically seed dealers. Uh, though not all of our conditioners are making retail sales. Some of them are primarily wholesale or they're doing custom conditioning work for others. And I think it's also important to note that not all seed dealers are conditioners. So you can be buying seed from someone that didn't clean it themselves. They, they just brought it in wholesale from another conditioner. To try and answer your question further, when a field application is submitted to us, if a variety is protected by PVP, then we require a contracting company is listed. And there are many varieties in the marketplace now that have that PVP protection. And so it turns out that many seed dealers are producing their own seed and very few farmers are producing certified seed that, that they as individuals would be responsible for selling. Um, a place you could look this up is in our seed source list that we publish every year that's available on our website. This shows what companies had field production that's listed by variety and class of seed. So if a farmer's looking for a for seed of a specific variety, he can visit the website, look for that list, and find the contact information for the company that might have been producing it. Okay. Now, you mentioned PVP. For those unfamiliar with the term, could you please explain what it means? PVP stands for Plant Variety Protection. And often you'll hear PVP used alongside Title V. And Title V is an additional level of protection that requires the seed of that variety is sold only as a class of certified seed. Um, the whole PVP program is facilitated by the USDA ARS out of a special office back east. And they are responsible for receiving applications for variety protection and then um, approving that, that protection so that it's logged and there's protection in place on that variety for 20 years, which basically restricts what a person can and can't do with it. So um, specifically, PVP Title V means that seed has to be sold as a class of certified seed. What that means is you can't sell it as common or uncertified seed. And usually um, with PVP protection, I would recommend growers pay special attention to whether they're allowed to save seed of a variety because in many cases we're finding that uh, the originators have inserted some contract language that prevents saving of seed. And we can talk about that further later. 
Okay, okay. Now, there's been a lot of consolidation throughout agriculture, and that includes consolidation of seed dealers. Has that made the WSCIA's job easier because you're working with fewer entities? You know, I think so. In a lot of respects, you can consider it easier because there are just fewer people to talk to. We've only got about 25 different companies we need to be able to stay in contact with. Um, but when you look at what the volume of seed production is at some of these companies now, being the seed program manager becomes a really, really big job. And that's a lot of production for one person to oversee. So it's easy for me to have one person to talk to. It's a lot of, lot of work for that one person to supervise hundreds of acres of seed production. Mm -hmm. Okay. The WSCIA has a lot of partners besides Seedsman. There's the regional land-grant universities, and you also work with a lot of private companies. How many balls, that is entities, does WSCIA juggle? Between those public and private programs and then the different seed dealers we work with and some other industry partners, I'd say they're about 30 companies that we're in regular contact with. And then during the summer season, we've got those additional 170 or more farmers that are producing seed. So there's a lot of contacts going on from this office. Now, perhaps one of WSCIA's most important partners is the Washington State Department of Agriculture, what you refer to as WSDA. Perhaps partner isn't the right word, they're where the buck stops when it comes to all things certified seed. Is that right? Yeah, you could say that. The Washington State Department of Agriculture is the one with the regulatory authority in Washington. And yes, they're a really great partner because both WSDA and WSCIA perform the same basic certification duties just for different crops. So we at Washington Crop Improvement are specifically responsible for certification of peas, chickpeas, lentils, buckwheat, wheat, barley, triticale, forest reproductive material, think about trees, and then a few other um, miscellaneous crops, where WSDA is responsible for anything else that's being produced as certified seed in Washington, grasses, vegetables, they're even the ones responsible for hemp seed production. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Now, is it right to say that WSCIA works on behalf of the state through a memorandum of agreement, an MOA? Yeah, that's right. WSCIA gets authority to provide certification services for specific crops through an MOA. Through that, WSDA does regular oversight of our program, and we're in constant discussion with them about the state standards for seed certification and for seed trade in general. And where does WSDA get its authority? WSDA gets its authority from the RCW, and the rules that guide uh, how one uses the RCW are codified in our WAC, or the Washington Administrative Code. That's actually where we see the seed certification rules that we apply. Okay. Now, RCW stands for the Revised Code of Washington and includes all the permanent laws in force in the state. Why is the state involved in seed certification anyway? That's a good question. Seed certification comes from a basic set of seed standards that are part of the Federal Seed Act. Um, you know, in this, this world of seed, there's a, there's a lot of regulation out there. And the Federal Seed Act is kind of like the very foundation. 
um, under that act, each state had to come up with an entity that would be responsible for the job of seed certification. In other states, you'll find that universities or departments of agriculture or private nonprofits like Washington Crop Improvement are performing those duties. Okay. Now, what about the feds? Are they involved in the process? Yes and no. At the most basic level, that Federal Seed Act lays out the minimum requirements for certified seed. And every certifying agency must have standards that are at least as strict as the Federal Seed Act. Although in our case, um, and the crops that WSCIA certifies, our own state standards are quite a bit tougher. So for example, uh, the Federal Seed Act doesn't have a stated minimum germination for wheat seed. Whereas in Washington state, our minimum germ requirement for certified seed is 85%. Uh, Another example is that the Federal Seed Act has a maximum allowance for off types or other varieties in wheat seed of 0.2%, whereas the Washington maximum is equivalent to about 0.04%. So a lot stricter. Um, We're allowing many fewer off types than, than the Federal Seed Act. Aside from those basic standards, the feds are not involved in our intrastate commerce, but they can be involved in interstate commerce, meaning when the seed crosses state lines. So as a seed dealer, it's important to know both the Federal Seed Act and our Washington Seed Act, as they do have some differences. So both laws require that when seed is sold, it's labeled with germination percentage. But for shipments in Washington, right, that are taking place in Washington, delivered um, from a Washington seed dealer to a Washington customer, that test need to have only taken place in the last 15 months. Whereas if seed is crossing state lines, a germination test is good for only six months. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, now as I understand it, the WSCIA has an MOA, a Memorandum of Agreement, to work with seed conditioners and dealers to ensure they know what the rules are and are following them, right? How's that working out? That's a work in progress. Uh, There was an MOA used in the past, and right now we're in the process of updating it to match today's seed handling practices and the electronic format of many of our forms and different documents. Okay, okay. Is there anything that gives you particular heartburn? Well, one thing that stands out to me as, as a good educational point is that the seed label is really important and farmers aren't always receiving the seed label information that's due to them. And this causes some heartburn, okay? Because without a label showing the seed had specific qualities, the consumer can't make an argument that they didn't receive the product they were promised. So you're saying that farmers are being sold seed that doesn't have a label? That seems pretty basic. What's the deal? Are dealers trying to pull a fast one? What we found is that the label information isn't always supplied to the farmer. I think this is partly due to the bulk handling of the field crops that we deal with. We're talking about truckloads of seed. We're not talking about a nicely uh, bundled 60-pound bag with a, a tag sewn into the seam on it. And I don't think anyone's trying to pull a fast one. Just that in some places, the emphasis has become that the paperwork that goes with the seed shipment is for billing, which, you know, that's true. But that that paperwork is also a representation of the goods. And according to Washington seed rule, when wheat is handled in bulk, 
the required label information must be on the invoice or other document accompanying the distribution of the seed. What would happen if the farmer who bought his seed without a label found it didn't perform in the field? That's a good question. Uh, Say you're the farmer and you buy seed without label information telling you the germination rate, for example. Um, You plant that seed and expect it to perform at 90% germination because past wheat seed purchases have, and and that should be no problem for you. But then once once it's in the ground, only 40% of the seed actually germinated. Because there was no label provided that stated 90% of the seed had germinated at testing, you might not have the grounds to say the seed didn't perform as they told you it would, because without the label, they haven't told you anything. Okay, and now, has that happened? Yeah, this has happened. We see maybe one inquiry a year about, gosh, I had a poor stand, what can I do about it? Usually, seed dealers are willing to stand by their products, and they make it right for the grower. I'd say 99% of cases, that's, that's what happens. If a seed dealer's remedy doesn't satisfy the grower, there's possibility of a mediation process through the Department of Agriculture, which is actually, you know, another bit of label information that's supposed to be on all seed shipments. So think about something else to look for on your invoice. According to to our WAC, those labels should say, requirement for mediation. The Washington State Seed Act, Chapter 15.49 RCW, requires mediation of disputes involving allegedly defective seed. Okay, okay. Now, is this a situation where nothing bad has really happened, but the rules are the rules and they have to be enforced? Yes, I'd say the rules are the rules and they should be followed and enforced. Uh, This will help protect the farmers, which I think is really important. I'm hesitant to say that nothing bad has really happened because that's subjective. Uh, If you had seeded 500 acres and you saw poor, poor performance from your seed, didn't have the paperwork to back up your complaint about its quality, then that's likely something you call bad. But it's, it's hard for me to put a scale on that for the individual. Federally, because you asked about the Fed's involvement earlier, what's happened in just like the last 18 months is we've actually had some instances where seed crossed state lines. The federal authorities have sampled it uh, to compare to the label, and they found that label lacking, and they've returned to Washington and let us know our originating seed dealers are not in compliance. So both Washington State Department of Agriculture and the federal authorities are out there to make sure seed is being labeled correctly. Okay, so the WSCIA isn't in the driver's seat when it comes to the laws on the books, but you are the ones responsible for enforcing those laws. Do I have that right? No, actually, we do not have the regulatory authority. Uh, That falls to the WSDA and uh, their seed program specifically. If someone were to file a complaint regarding a lot of seed wheat that was represented as certified, we would cooperate with WSDA to make sure they have the certification records. But Washington State Crop Improvement is not the regulating authority. And actually, in the MOA that we have with WSDA to do our certification duties, There's also language that requires us to inform them of violations. Uh, So there are instances where WSCIA has to let WSDA know if certification rules were not being followed. Okay, let me put it another way. Does that mean when you enforce the rules that folks get mad at you the same way they might get mad at a policeman who gives them a ticket but is only enforcing the law? Yeah, I think that's a, a good comparison. I think in the end, we all have to respect that the rules are there for a reason, 
And in this case, the labeling laws are really there for consumer protection. Now, I can imagine that if I've been driving the same road for 20 years, going 65 in a 55 zone and getting away with it all that time, that suddenly getting a ticket would upset me. Are you concerned your partners are upset with you for enforcing the rules? Yes. So based on watching the implementation of some other programmatic changes that have been made by WSDA and the crops that they certify, we know that change is hard when you think you've been following an allowed process for many years and then find out that practice doesn't comply with the seed regulations. So at this time, if we have to make changes to previously allowed practices, the initial focus will be on education regarding the changes in policies and the application of the rule. And then after a certain period of time, like say 90 days, uh, for us to educate people, people then must comply. And in some cases, this is going to require us to say, you know, we realize that certain acts have been allowed in the past, but based on a review of the rules, we found that practice is not compliant with the rules, and we all must now change what we're doing. And I emphasize that word all because in some cases, making sure the rules are followed um, or adhering to those rules is actually going to require more time and effort on behalf of our agency. So it's not just as if we're arbitrarily putting more work on the seed dealers. We're actually taking quite a bit more on for ourselves. Interesting, interesting. Now, besides the absence of a label, are you concerned about other rules being disregarded? And is disregarded even the right word? I wouldn't say disregarded. I guess I'd say overlooked. Um, it's another part of labeling, but the notice of intellectual property protection, and think about PVP that I mentioned earlier, is also something for farmers to pay attention to. You have to be careful if you're trying to save back grain from a commercial crop to use as seed to produce another crop, because it's very common that farmers are required to sign agreements stating they'll only use the seed they're buying to produce a commercial crop and will not save any of that crop to plant as seed in the future. Um, this has to do with PVP, Title V, contractual agreements, and those languages that prohibit the saving of seed are sometimes in separate agreements or they're included in the terms directly on the sales agreement or the load ticket. It might be as simple as the box is checked on your paperwork that says this is a PVP Title V variety. So I just really encourage everyone to be an informed consumer. And if you're not sure if you're allowed to save seed for your own future use, ask the seed dealer you purchased that initial seed from. Okay, okay. So one of the things then that you really want to impress upon farmers here is that they demand a label. Is that right? Because without a label, they have no legal recourse. Yes, I, I really can't stress that enough. Make sure you get a label. Make sure that label tells you what the seed is that's being delivered and the, the germination information about it, the purity information about it. And then, of course, look for that information about any variety protection that's on it. You heard it here, folks. If you're a farmer, be sure you get your seed labels. It's all part of ensuring you get what you pay for. If the seed doesn't perform, having a label ensures you have the ability to at least get justice. Although I'm pretty sure most seed dealers would make things right anyway. As I've mentioned all month, Weed All About It will cease posting new episodes at the end of December. But then, everything with a beginning has an end, doesn't it? There's two more shows to go, so join me here again next week for another episode of 
We'd all about it. We're all children of a special treat. A miracle of nature that we just call wheat. A crop that's in the Bible, a crop that's in our bread. A crop that's filled our bellies and held us to the dead. Through a history of salvation in times of want and woe. Wheat has been our savior, our grub, our glue, our dough. There's always lots of problems when we have enough to eat, but there's only one dilemma when it's not enough wheat. We feed you.